All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Lou, another week in the books, and we're here to discuss our Week 10 recap. It's Tuesday evening. It's getting late in the evening. You and I both have had long work days, but I know we're excited to talk about some of the, the fun stuff that took place over Week 10. I'll say this. I feel like the last few weeks have just been like topsy-turvy, upside down. But the reason why we watch the NFL, just the unexpected is happening week after week after week. And the 2020, 2021 season, outside of our fandom, has been rather exciting. Well, I'm going to say the only thing that's been consistent uh, this year in the NFL is inconsistency. I yep. mean – I feel like every team is pretty much mediocre or showing its mediocre face throughout some time of the season. And no matter who it's been, I don't care who it is, you're showing that you, everyone has some chinks in their armor. And uh, there were some teams this past week that show that as well. Yeah. I. What's crazy to me is the disparity between the NFC and the AFC. I think I saw over the weekend, keep me honest here, that there are 12 of 16 AFC teams that are at least 500 at this point in the season, 10 weeks into the season. That's crazy. And then in the NFC, you have the cream of the crop, right? You have some teams sitting up there with, with two, three losses, and then you just have this mosh pit taking place for second and third wild card spots that, like, in theory... I would say 85% of the NFL is mathematically still eligible for the playoffs. And usually at this point in the season, there's a clear division as to who's making it, who's not making it. And to me, that's just wild, right? Like, Or it's it, more it, like a 60% like uh, threshold that like uh, 60% of the teams are, are still in the, in the playoff hunt is 40% are pretty much uh, looking forward towards the draft next year. But yeah, uh, and, I, and no, okay. nobody has that right now. Yeah. My question for you, I know you're not an AFC guy, but what's your opinion in regards to um, is the AFC a lot of parity there or is it just a bunch of mediocrity? I think there's a lot of – I would question, not define, right? It is a tough question, but I would not define it as mediocrity. I would define it as it's just a – it's tough sledding. It's a competitive landscape. you got a lot of teams um, with good young talent at really important positions – and teams that have hit their stride at certain points of the season, right? Like the Bengals came out on fire, right? And they at once upon a time were the talk of the town. Now all of a sudden it's the Tennessee Titans are rising to the top. You know, in between there, it was Baltimore that was rising to the top. LA, the Chargers were rising to the top. And things like just the that balance has seemed to shift over time. Um, but I would not call it mediocrity. I would call it parity. I would call it um, just a... a in my opinion, a more competitive landscape than the NFC is right now. Yeah, and just real quick before we get into our segments where we talk about the, uh, the hometown takes, you said you said it perfectly. There's a bunch of young talent in the AFC, particularly from the quarterback position, and that's why I think there's so much uh, parity in the AFC is because with that young talent comes your, your high highs and your low lows. So I still think they're trying to find that consistency I think that's why there's so much parity in the AFC, where you look to the NFC, yet you're more established vets. You're Russell Wilson, you're Aaron Rodgers, 
um, <clears throat> uh, your Tom Brady's, uh, you know, things of that nature. Yep. So you have like the, the more established vets. So there's more consistency in that regards. Yeah. I, I just, I'm going to call it what it is. Quarterback play is more consistent in the AFC than is the NFC, right? I think you hit the nail on the head, right? The, the cream of the crop in the NFC typically is your elder statesman's quarterbacks who've been doing this for quite some time. The AFC, you have a lot of up and comers to your point that are going to give you or present you with more of a roller coaster ride, but the highs are really, really, really high. And then the lows could be really, really, really low. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, it's made for uh, great talk radio, great podcasting material. I agree, and, yeah. And a, a tremendously entertaining NFL season thus far. So there are some items items of note before we we proceed. Um, the Rams. Let's not talk about what happened this weekend because we're going to talk about that in a second. But leading into the weekend, the Rams continued their push for the Super Bowl. We already know about acquiring Von Miller, who was just coming off of injury. They went ahead and acquired Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ. But what's crazy to me is the the timing seems the most relevant at this point in time. I think they went from having an embarrassment of riches, right? That was the expectation in signing OBJ, to now all of a sudden a necessity based off of the injury to Robert Woods that happened in practice on Friday, who's now out for the season. Um, but I do think that is noteworthy, and I'm going to talk about that a couple different times in this conversation this evening. Uh, but I would say that was the most eventful thing that took place, that everybody was watching. Where was OBJ going to wind up? And the Rams just further solidified. Now, I make no mistake, right? Like Von Miller, OBJ, they're rentals, right? Like I don't think they have any expectation whatsoever of signing either of those individuals to long-term contracts next year i don't even know if they are capable of doing that with the cap situation that they're in i'd have to investigate that further but to me this is like chips all in i know denver's paying von for the rest of the year obj is basically like a vet min um based off of like you know the buyout of his contract so they're, they push the chips all in over the last 11 football days um and let's talk about how that it's worked out for them so far. So like we always do, let's begin with our hometown takes. Uh, your Chargers uh, hosted the Minnesota Vikings. You were not too bullish on this game um, based on our our meeting with, with Jason Aponte last week um, and your prediction. So tell me what you saw, good, bad, ugly, like you always do. Yeah, we'll start with the good. And there wasn't uh, tremendously too much good, but this game – I actually watched this game twice, and it was such a such a weird game and how the game flow really presented uh, all four quarters. The Chargers dominated both uh, on both sides of the ball when it comes to the trenches. From a, for example, Weston, from a defensive standpoint, LA was able to produce 19 pressures, six by Joey Bosa, by the way. So they got after Kirk Cousins and made him feel uncomfortable. But kudos to Cousins for just staying in the pocket, taking those hits, and still delivering those strikes. Uh, we all we were talking on Jason's show that uh, you know Dalvin Cook you know was going to go you know run rampant. He really didn't. He averaged three point nine yards per carry and failed to rush for over hundred yards. I think that's a win for this porous uh, Chargers defense. You got to think about it. they're last in the league when it comes to stopping the run, and they did a phenomenal job containing Dalvin Cook. The entire Vikings 
averaged 3.1 yards per carry. So it wasn't like this wasn't like one of those games like the Cleveland game or the Dallas game where the opposing offense just running it down the, th- the throats of the Chargers. This wasn't that at all. They did a good job, the defense, when it comes to limiting uh, those big runs. Now you go ahead and look on the offensive side uh, and the offensive line of the Chargers, and they were able to they were able to limit the Vikings to five pressures. A couple of weeks ago, we killed Storm Norton, their backup right tackle, uh, former XFL player, for allowing eight pressures in one game. Last week, he allowed one pressure, and this week, he was the highest pro football focus graded player for Los Angeles. They did a great job keeping Herbert once again upright, and uh, they bought him some time, to, you know, to make some make some throws. So it wasn't usually some. That's where their the Chargers' issues are: is either the defensive line getting blown off the ball, or the offensive line allowing so much pressure to the right hand side of the offensive line. This wasn't like that at all. It's a very weird game. So then now I'm transitioning to the bad. Weston, I rewatched this game. Like I said, I'm like, where did this go wrong? And I just feel like the Vikings were able to play their style of football. Those ball control offense to keep the Chargers offense on the sideline. And frankly, the Vikings had to do that, Weston, because if you took note what happened the week prior, the Vikings played the Ravens and they went to overtime. And the Ravens, oh, I think they ran like 89 plays against the Vikings. 89 plays. So their beat-up defense is now coming to face the Chargers. Uh, they had a bunch of guys in IR and pretty much – they had to mask some of these issues that you know to, in order to make this game competitive. So how did they do that? They, like I said, it was ball control type of offense, long sustainable drives, keeping the Chargers' offense on the side of the, of the, of the, on the side of, uh, on the sidelines. And you always want to do that for an explosive offense, but it's really easier said than done because you got to gotcha. think about that. You you always like oh you know we'll just run the ball and keep Mahomes on the side. I mean that doesn't really you know that doesn't really happen. It's hard to. To Still have to pick up first downs to actually do that. Yeah, so then I looked at the, a lot of the stats and the time of possession heavily favored the Vikings. Like I said, it was 36 minutes to 23 minutes. And also the Vikings ran 72 offensive plays compared to the Chargers, 55 plays. They executed their game plan going into this uh, into Sunday uh, afternoon perfectly. Uh, and like I said before, <clears throat> pretty much, I just think the issue was situational football with the Chargers. They did a great job stopping the run, particularly on first down. But, man, they gave us some big plays and inopportune moments. Um, so I have some stats here real quick. Um, <clears throat> there were six or seven instances when the, when the Vikings pretty much were either like second and 20 or third and long and third and eight, and they can just throw it at the right time. Michael Peterson, a guy that was on our show uh, pretty much uh, from earlier for this offseason, had a great tid- tidbit. Listen to this. 12 times the Chargers defense faced the Vikings on downs with 11-plus yards to go. Five of those times were on drives the Vikings scored points, and the other five were on the Vikings' final drive to ice the game. Think about that now. So it's it's long distances, and yet they just gave up those big plays. So um, that was an issue. It's the situation of football for the Chargers. Um and I actually think because they were on the sideline for so long, the offense pretty much was out of rhythm. They just didn't look like in flow uh, when it comes to, you know, they just played sloppy. And you can see, I mean, they've been plagued for drops all year. It's Mike Williams had, you know, a bad drop at the goal line on a slant route where he would have made to the end zone. Eckler dropped a wide open pass on a Texas route that would have went for a huge gain to help them out. Um, Jalen Guyton 
dropped a, a seven yard a seven yard out uh, on the right hand side that would it was on first on first down that would have been huge too because now it's second and three but because he dropped it now it's second and ten and uh they ran uh next play got a couple yards third and seven guess what they had to punt it so as you can see it just was more situational things with the chargers and it's just very game confusing the identity of this offense the first six weeks Keenan Allen had 57 targets. Mike Williams had 56 targets. The last couple of weeks, eight weeks, eight through 10, Keenan has 35 targets. Mike Williams has 16 targets. I don't know what's going on or what type of adjustments they're making or lack thereof, but there's a little, little dis, uh, discourse, I think, in that offense, uh, in the offensive room. And a lot of people put the blame on Herbert. I don't think it's Herbert. I mean, I've said this before. This is his second year. As a as a, a professional quarterback in the NFL, uh, he's learning his second offense. By the way, as uh, you know as well, so I just think they're putting too much on him, expecting him too much to bail out their lack of game plan. So uh, it's not on Herbert. I think it's bigger than Herbert, and those are pretty much all the things I've seen. Uh, you know, this past week when it comes to the Chargers. I agree wholeheartedly with you that this is not on Herbert. Um, I have one note for my notes of this game, and it's the same word three times. It's drops, drops, drops. Yeah. In inopportune times, you mentioned this weeks ago and have been mentioning it consistently week after week after week since that point that <laughs> drops are drive killers. They're momentum changers. Everything that you just said, right? Um, and I know what this feels like because the 49ers were doing this for a long time early in the season too. Like what could have been second and three is now second and 10. And those that just changes philosophy. The other thing that's like eye popping to me is another week without really the opportunity to establish the run game. And I see, know that's, that part that's, that's huge because yep. you talk about we talked about how awful the Chargers run defense is. Guess who's yep. barely right above them? The Minnesota Vikings. Yep. So yes, and it, they were when they did run the ball, they did get decent, decent gains. It's just, like I said, it just, it just seemed like so the offensive scheme was so disarrayed this past week. Very confusing. Yeah, I, I do think some of this is game flow, like you said. Um, you know, when you look at a team who's plus 13, 14 minutes on time of possession, everything you mentioned based on Vikings previous week, right? Like they could not afford to have their defense out there for another 90 plays in a game. No. Like it's just not sustainable. And they just did a good job of eating clock and converting opportune third downs and, and staying on the field. And, you know, I'll talk about it in a moment here for, for my game, but everything that you're talking about, related to Justin Herbert and the offense, it's just hard to establish a rhythm when you're just not on the field, right? Then you start to press. Then you start to force the issue a little bit. And then you compound that with things like drops and, and et cetera. Like it just kills all momentum. And as an offensive play caller, it just gets you out of your funk, man. Like the, the, these coordinators are just like the players. They need to find rhythm. They need to find consistency. And when they're outside that, it changes things. And it changes things drastically. And you get outside your comfort zone. And we've all seen this in the NFL. When players and coaches and coordinators are outside their comfort zone, uh, it doesn't often yield a, a more positive result, right? Um, and 
that's that was my biggest takeaway from the game. Uh, the other thing that I would add here is, and you just talked upon uh, talked about with the volume of targets or the target share over the last three weeks is another week of disappearance from Mike Williams. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's Herbert. I don't know if that's play call. I don't know if that's lack of confidence in the wide receiver because of things like drops. And you know what I mean? Like that just mm -hmm. tends to change uh, where you look and who you favor in, in situational football. But the, to me, the, the drops were the biggest thing because they, the ones that I saw were straight up drive killers, momentum killers. You know, even you talked last week about not running the correct depth on routes. Mm -hmm. I watched Mike Williams do that in the red zone, right? Like he did a, a play that he takes one more step, which he should have done on the route with his big body. He's standing on the goal line, right? All that ball's got to do is hit him in the chest and it's a touchdown. But guess what? It wasn't. And that changes outcomes like that just changes outcomes. The other thing for me that I find a little troublesome is last week when we you're coming off a win and you're you're talking about things. You talked about the involvement of the three, the, the, the three headed monster that is your tight end mm -hmm. and how they were all playing well. I didn't see any of that this week. Right. I'm looking at the stat sheet and I see Jared Cook with uh, three targets, one catch for 10 yards. Parham, right? That's another tight end. Donald Parham. Yep. Two targets, one catch, 17 yards. Like, that's not what we saw in winning football from the LA Chargers they, listen, the week they, previous. They were just out of flow. And another situation where, all right, they scored, I think, with a minute 33 left in the second quarter, right, Weston? And then basically kicked the ball. Uh, and they still had two timelines left. They kicked the ball to the Vikings. The Vikings went three and out, and they got, and the and Chargers got the ball back close to midfield with about a little over a minute left, right? Yep. Yep. I'm like, this is the opportunity because then uh, the Chargers were going to get the ball uh, in the third quarter, start the third quarter as well. The, char the Chargers were going to go down there, put points on the board, whether it's three or seven, and then they came out in the third quarter and put another touchdown like they did in the, in the beginning of the third quarter. Now this is a completely different game. You score right before the end of the half, and then you score, you know, again in, to start off the half. Now you, this is a hundred percent different game, especially with the fact that how much pressure they were putting on Kirk Cousins. Awful, they just were out of rhythm uh, for being on the sideline for so much, and yeah, it doesn't help that all their playmakers, even all, even the shorthanded Austin Eckler, that was a huge drop on that Texas yep. route, man. So yep. um, I mean, that's pretty much it from uh, that. I, I don't know where to go from here. I'm, very confused as teams like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, they're a young team, and you got to expect these things with a young team. I do blame you, Weston, for getting me to believe them a year earlier than I wanted to. Uh, so uh, go screw yourself. In the most nice way, though, possible. Yeah, and I'll gladly do it as soon as we hang up <laughs> here today. Um, that being said, you know me, Lou. I don't I don't subscribe to that year too early stuff. When you ride your you ride your waves in the NFL, right? Like a year too early, just as just as easily the following year could be a year too late, right? Like everybody said the 49ers were a year too early in 2019 and they were a catastrophe in 2020, right? It's just it's the way this this crazy league that we call the NFL works. Speaking so, of your Niners, I, yeah. I do want to say because of you and Jason, I felt like I, pe I got peer pressure in taking the Rams over the Niners. Uh, I don't think if you got if it was two versus one, I was very high in the Niners to to, to uh, 
picked it to win this game this past week. But why don't you go talk about that? Yeah, the only reason why you were high on that is because all right, so you history. just said you yes, but totally different circumstance in that history. And Jason and I were very quick to correct you in saying that like this is not McVeigh Goff Rams. This is McVeigh Stafford Rams. And let's be very clear about this. Matthew Stafford is drastically different than Jared Goff. But you mentioned Jekyll and, Jekyll and Hyde. So speaking of Jekyll and Hyde, let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers mm-hmm. versus the Los Angeles Rams. This is a 49ers team that got smacked around and in the mouth by a freshman squad of the Arizona Cardinals. I had zero expect. My only expectations coming into this game on Monday night were – wow, if we lose this one, I know I'm a week closer to watching Trey Lance and seeing what the future is and seeing some rookies get some burn. And what do they do? Typical 49ers shit and just smack around the Rams on national television on Monday night and make dummies out of all of us. The only thing that I can say is just, wow. Like, clearly, I know nothing about this team. The only fact in the NFL at this point in time is that Kyle Shanahan still clearly owns Sean McVay. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's it. Talking about five straight. We're talking about when Kyle couldn't even field a a legitimate team. Those games were competitive. Like he, Kyle Shanahan is Sean McVay's kryptonite and it's, it's obvious and it's apparent. Um, I just don't understand where this team was against a wounded Arizona Cardinal team last week, because now we're talking about five and four versus five and five post game. I actually don't have a lot of negative to to say here. Uh, that that game went right in every facet that it possibly could. I would say if I was, um, you know, again, not to sound like a homer and saying that there wasn't a lot of bad because I can always find something bad. And to me, the most obvious is the secondary is still a problem for us, right? Like there's still not a a true corner on this team that I have confidence in. I mean, receivers were running open. They were just dropping footballs. And we yeah, talked Van about Jeff- Van Jefferson dropped a bunch. Yeah. Jefferson dropped some. You had Higby drop one that went right into Jimmy Ward's lap, return for a pick six, even cup on third downs. Um, it it just it didn't feel right. But listen, this is what happens when you get in the mind of a team, right? And you take away their will. That stuff happens. It just happens in the NFL, no matter how good or how consistent you are. Drops killed the Rams, killed the Rams, just like we were talking about how the drops killed the Chargers. So what what was good besides just a beat down on national television on Monday night that I was super pleased to watch? Um, the defense balled out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, D'Amico Ryans came back. Uh, Lou, you and I did top 10 defensive backs, and I told you that I was super tempted to put Jimmy Ward up on that top 10 defensive back list. He had a game. But what the the general population does not know is because Jimmy Ward doesn't have eye-popping stats, but he is a glue to this defense. He is consistent. He plays every position we've ever asked him to. He's lined up at wide corner. He's lined up in the slot. He's played free safety. He's played strong safety. He's done everything over the years. But what you remember about him is he has not had actually had an interception until 2016. And guess what? He had two last night on the first two drives, one of which he returned for a pick six. He single-handedly changed this game. That pick six took the will right out of the Rams because they thought back to a week previous 
just like they did against the Tennessee Titans that started their first two possessions with two interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown, and it was very quickly, here we go again. But what I saw was a team that was playing with a purpose, with a passion, and a desire to actually go win a football game. All the things that I've been knocking them for over the last few weeks is just like no urgency, no I want to win. I want to be better than than the team that I am, am playing against. And I think that defense came with bad intentions. Like, I think they they went to impose their will, and I think we did that on both sides of the ball. But I think the defense, that was the intention, was like, I, we're coming after you, um, et cetera. N- Lou, I'm tired of saying this, but this is at this point just a widely known fact in the NFL Nick Bosa is literally held on every single fucking snap. Every single snap. This man is getting choke slammed, bear hugged, and he's still disrupting the hell out of plays. Like on his he had one sack last night. He didn't have the most statistically like impressive game, but on that sack, if you go back and watch the video, dude, he literally he's like chokehold. Oh my god. In right in front of the official. Yeah. And nothing, but still got the sack. And this is just happening way, way too much. But that to me was like the desire to win. Like he got that sack. He didn't even look at the official and being like, dude, where's the where's the 10? You know what I mean? Like, where where is it? Like, I'm I I I accomplished what I set out to, and that's what I want to see. I want to see like playing through the excuses, just playing hard, physical football. Um, let's talk about the offense for a minute. Yes. I loved everything about the opening drive. So Stafford throws that deep pick, which is the equivalent of a punt at that point in time, even though it wasn't third down. I mean, you you gave us the ball, but you gave us the ball on our own seven-yard line, and we've been a very, I don't know, mediocre offense. Yeah, yeah, mediocre offense at best. So, right, that's a punt to me. Like, that's what I was saying out loud. Like, all right, you punted the ball. No big deal. But yet we go – 93 yards on 18 plays and eat up over 11 minutes of clock. We, You and I, Luke, specifically talk about how that's why chunk plays are so important because it's so hard to do that consistently. 10-plus play drives, go 80-plus yards, chew up seven to eight minutes of clock. And what they did literally was set an out of like, – NFL record and season record on like the length of that drive, the time of that drive, et cetera. Um, and it was wild. And I think that opening drive just ripped the will out of that defense, just ripped the will out of it. Like, and it was nothing impressive. It was just three and a half yards here, three and a half yards here, four and a half yards here. And just down the field, down the field and converting on third and shorts and doing those things and just frustrating the defense where they're like, Oh, this is how this game's going to go. Um, and I, I loved everything about it. This is like the Kyle that I've been looking for, establishing the run game. In three drives in the first half, Lou, they ate up nearly 25 minutes of clock. There's 30 minutes and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in three drives, they ate up almost 25 minutes. That's ridiculous. That's how you win football games. Mm-hmm. You keep an explosive offense off the field, and you tire out the defense. They ran the ball 40 four times in this game that's 1960s football Lou like 44 times and it wasn't super impressive I think it amounted to like I don't know 3.6 3.7 yards of carry but it just was physical 
football. Like it was punishing football. And I loved every second of the way that they moved the ball on offense. Before you jump, because I know you're like chomping at the bit. Yeah, I just yeah. Um let's maybe some negative, maybe some positive. Like your quarterback wasn't asked to do much at all, especially when you run the ball 44 times. But he was 15 of 19 for 182 yards and two touchdowns. He helped. We converted eight of 14 third downs. Again, we didn't ask him to do much, but what we did ask him to do, he did well. And my favorite thing about this is I always knock Jimmy that he don't throw the ball unless you're open. And sometimes by the time the ball gets to you, you're no longer open, right? Like it's, there's no anticipation. There's no anticipatory throws. And last night I saw multiple anticipatory throws, throwing to a window, throwing to a spot, throwing your wide receiver open. And that's what I'm looking from for my quarterback. It doesn't have to be the flashy 40 yard bombs down the field, anything like that. It's just give your receiver a chance because if anything is true, if you're one-on-one in the NFL, you're considered open. You're considered open. The receiver always has the advantage because you know where the ball's going. You know what the route is. The defense um, is forced to react. Kittle. Kittle makes this offense really tough to contain. He's just another weapon. We know what he is as a receiver, but he's just so dominant at the line of scrimmage. Like he literally one time, and I'm I'm sure you've seen this clip at some point today. The Von Miller one. Put Von Miller on his ass. This is a Hall of Fame defensive player in Von Miller that kid will just like sit on your pant pocket, bro. Like just literally right into the ground. The last thing I'll say, and I'll let you chime in, is Debo. Like He's just playing out of his mind right now. I am one of the biggest Debo supporters there are, and I would never even expect this type of season thus far from him. I mean, he the receiving TD on fourth down obviously put the game out of reach. He had a rushing TD in the first half. Just forget the stats here for a second, Lou. It's just the manner in which he plays football. He plays bully ball. Like, he just plays bully ball. He catches in traffic. He pulls the ball out of defensive players' hands, and when he's in space, he runs over people or he can run away from you. Like he's just doing everything right now. Um, and I don't care if you're a 49ers fan or not, you're having fun watching Debo Samuel highlights. Now, that being said, all 49er fans are on our high horse because we just smacked around a Super Bowl contender, right? On national television. And this week we play Jacksonville. I just literally, I can't even predict what's going to happen, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it's just like we turn around and we get treated like we did by Arizona the following week. So, I just picture, just picture how much how different this this the narrative of your season would be if you guys just took business, uh, took care of business against the Cardinals, man. Just picture this: five and four, you're in the driver's seat, dude. You're in the driver's seat, especially now the Rams knocked off one more Cardinals last week, one more. Right now, it's instead of a two game gap, it's a it's a one game gap in the division, like. The division is in reach, let alone – you're not even talking about that third wild card spot. You're talking about that second wild card spot if you just handle business in yeah. Arizona. Yeah, uh, well, I said um, I wanted to take the Niners versus the Rams, but I really felt like peer pressured again, you know, with you and Jason. <laughs> and the reason why, there's just some teams that just match up against other teams perfectly. All right? Uh, as a Charger fan, we always would beat the Colts. 
But guess what? When we had to go play the Steelers, we would always get beaten by the Steelers. It was like a round robin of like uh, pretty much who was going to beat who. That being said, you guys match up perfectly with the Rams because what the Rams do uh, on defense really well is stop the pass and rush the passer, right? Well, guess what? They don't do really well because they had that Brandon Staley type of defense. I know he's not there anymore, but a lot of the personnel is still there. Yep. In addition, a lot of the still same philosophies are still there. The two high safeties are still there. They invite people to run the ball. They invite opposing teams to run the ball. So if you're going to – where do you get the balls to invite Kyle Shanahan to run the ball? You're going to invite him – you're going to write – Invite uh, perhaps one of the best coaches when it comes to formulating an outside zone. Hey, yeah, come on, r- run against us. <laughs> He's going to be licking his chops. So uh, I'll tell you right now. Um, uh, well, well I- sorry I convinced you to not make that pick. Um, yeah. One thing that I think is my favorite thing from this game is I don't remember if you recall last year, uh, but we went 2-0 against the Rams. And after one of those games, Debo went off and somebody was interviewing Aaron, Mc, uh, Aaron, Aaron Donald Bell. after the game. And he was just like, they're like, what do you think? How do you stop somebody like Debo Samuel? And he was like, who? Who's? Th-? And they're like, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver from the 49ers. And then he goes, who's that? Right? So this no turned into that. a thing. Yeah. This turned into a thing all year. Um, and then this year, it's like. Does somebody want to ask Aaron Donald that question again? Because not only was like, all right, so Aaron Donald is obviously not responsible for covering wide receivers and has nothing to do with that. But Debo had six carries from the backfield, right? Mm-hmm. Like they saw him and those carries were straight up the gut. Those weren't jet sweeps. Those weren't tosses outside. They were quick snap shotgun formation handed off to him right away and just right between the tackles. Right. And this is one thing this if there is a knock on Aaron Donald, this is the knock. You can run the ball at him. That's a that's a misconception that you can't run the football near Aaron Donald. What you can't do is you can't run away from him because he's athletic enough where he's going to shed his block and he's going to get down the line and track you from behind because of his athletic ability. But year over year, it is proven that if you want to effectively run the ball on the Rams, you run at 99 because he just blows up field like every time. Sometimes his his explosive first step actually plays against him. Now he'll have one or two like tackles for a loss where he blows up in the backfield. That's fine. But if you're running the ball 25 to 40 times in a football game, you're going to get the better of him more often than not. And, and to your point, teams that match up, like Kyle just knows that Kyle knows that. And he's confident in that. And we run the ball right at 99 when we play the Rams. Yeah. yeah. Well, All right. Bravo to you guys. Great win. A great team win for you guys. Really complete game. Really good nitpick. Too much from them. Uh, so, did you watch? Did you did you like? I, I did watch the game. I did watch the game. Hope you guys just you just gotta take care of Jacksonville now. Like you yeah. can't have a letdown game now. Gotta get Not to five hundred, dude. We have like the third easiest schedule the rest of the way, yeah. right? Like so, you gotta do it. Our destiny is ours, right? Like if this team wants to be a playoff football team, it's it's doable. I mean, you're mm-hmm. gonna gotta run the table. You you know you dug yourself a deep hole, already five losses. Yeah. You know, in a, in a seventeen game season, but. It's doable, you know, like the, the toughest game that we see for the next five or six weeks is Tennessee, you know, and, and what will Tennessee be at that time? Like the NFL only knows. So um, another team that maybe our skill set lines up well with. So speaking of that, let's get into the 
our one of my favorite segments here but the i'm freaking out what are you overreacting to is it negative is it positive tell me more let's start negative um if i'm a fan of football and uh, the city of Los Angeles, I'm freaking out. Whether you're I'm a Chargers fan or whether I'm a Rams fan, both teams uh, have a lot of issues starting to, you know, you know, to, to surface right now. For the Rams, second week in the row, guess what? They got punched right in the face. They got physically overmatched uh, into submission. Personally, think this is this is starting to become an issue. People are starting to formulate a game plan to run at the Rams and pressure them up the middle. That middle of the offensive line is softer than a Twinkie feeling, I'm telling you. And that whole play we were talking about, Kerry Kittle uh, putting a Von Miller on his ass, that's basically a microcosm of what's been happening the last two weeks with the Rams. So they're, they're playing a little soft, uh, and they need to you know, fix this real quick. As for the Chargers, um, like, t- like uh, pretty much I feel like teams are starting to f- figure them out. And now they have to go back to the drawing board with the coaches, the players, and pretty much make those necessary adjustments to see if they can continue to grow and progress and actually become uh, a contender for playoffs. So that's my uh, negative uh, from L.A. City's burning. Let's let's stay right here because my negative overreaction was specifically about the Rams, not necessarily the the Chargers just yet, uh, just due to expectations, right? Like. You know, I I think the Rams have been much closer to Super Bowl favorites. We talked about what they've done over the last 11 days to further fuel that hype, if you will, that they're pushing the chips all in. And you hit the nail right on the head, like two nationally televised games that they've got punched in the mouth. And the film is now there. The blueprint is there on how to beat this team. The other thing that I'm actually... A little bit more concerned, um, and, and, and time will tell, is I don't necessarily believe in just going to acquire talent. You know, like you got to build a team versus acquire talent. And these are outside players. And while Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. are superstars in their own right, I don't know if that makes a ton of sense for the team. I, I think it might be more impactful as you get closer to playoffs and and you're closing out the season, but it's going to take time for, for those things to gel. Um, I think the bye week is coming at the perfect time for the LA Rams, right? They, after getting smacked twice, they get, you know, two weeks off here, they get to breathe a little bit, try to acclimate some of these new additions. But to me, the bigger thing that I'm freaking out about if I'm an LA Rams fan is this Robert Woods loss is a really big deal. OBJ is a great player. I I don't know if OBJ fits exactly what the Rams are trying to do. Like I said earlier in our intro was that OBJ was to give them an embarrassment of riches, like one hell of a number three wide receiver to have, right? Like can just put up a big play. You can design it three or four times a game to get him open for chunk plays, things of that nature. But asking him to fill that Robert Robert Woods void, they're just totally different football players. And I think at this point in their career, I'd rather actually have Robert Woods as my wide receiver than I would OBJ for this offense. Uh, another bigger concern is Stafford's digging holes. It's not necessarily the team. Um, it's over the last two weeks four interceptions on four drives to start two 
football games, both of which put you down 14 points. You can't spot teams 14 points in the NFL. Uh, it's it, it's a it's a tough mountain to climb over. So yeah, if I'm the Rams, I'm Rams fans. I'm I'm freaking out a little bit because okay, I can I can give the Titans a pass, right? Like Titans are sitting on top team. of the AFC. There's a good yeah. football team, but a team like the 49ers that just got manhandled by the Arizona Cardinals and Colt McCoy without D Hop and losing their starting running back literally on the first play from scrimmage, things like that, to let that team not just beat you but punch you in the face the way yeah, that they the, did the way it was done yeah yeah if i'm every team at my entire f- scripted first 15 13 of those plays are run plays between the tackles yeah. literally run because here's one thing that i will say about the rams is they have linebackers that can fly to the ball they're very fast yeah. you know at the second and third level you have to attack the defensive line. Like you have to attack the interior of that defensive line and everybody's going to do it. Everybody's going to try to do it. Um, and if, like I said, if I'm an offensive coordinator, my first 15, 13 of those are scripted runs between the, the tackles. Can we stay Period. in LA for one, one more second? Yeah, sure. How good is Jalen Ramsey though? Like, he's a good. He's a good football player, man. No, he's a he, really good he, football player. he he was amazing. There was a couple. Uh, he had a great uh, pass breakup again uh, with, uh, with uh, Brandon Ayuk against Brandon Ayuk. What was so phenomenal about the pass breakup? He, he deflected the ball, but he didn't get his backhand on the on the back of Ayuk. Nope. I mean, like every other cornerback is doing that, and they're and they will got flagged for a penalty. He basically it, it was it was phenomenal, and he comes and fills that box. Even in the fourth quarter, he was coming down hard, man. Yep. You you might not like him as a person, but he backs up his talk. He's a phenomenal player, man. He's he, still one of my favorite uh, corners in the league. He's a superstar, you know. He really I think, is. I think his athletic ability um, saves his him sometimes because he's over he's over aggressive, right? So there, mm-hmm. his recovery is phenomenal. So there are times like that Ayuk player you talk about, like he was beat, right? And just recovered, and now or was he or was he baiting Jimmy? Pro, you know, it could be a combination of those. But you talk about like how he didn't put the hand on the back. Too many times, these D backs are getting um, flagged for that. Where it's not even it's not even a pass interference. Like, did you see Kwan Williams should be interception where he literally caught the ball against his ass cheek? Mm-hmm. Like, I think these refs are just throwing flags like way too frequently. For me, that. He is within five yards of the line where contact is permitted by NFL rules. Literally just had his hand, not even draped, basically gated him. Like think about like in the NBA when you're trying to gate a pick, right? And you're just like guiding somebody just kind of did that within the first five yards and made honestly what probably would have been the interception of the year, the way that he caught that ball against his butt. Oh, his ass. <laughs> and literally caught it with his ass and, it's a pass interference penalty, you know, and it's just like, but to your point, right? Like to Ramsey's astuteness and being a student of the game, knowing that he can't do those things and he's not flagged for those things. He is, he is an elite NFL player. There's no yeah, doubt about it. And you got to calm down with talking with the refs. Their NFL is going to come down with a fine with you, bro. <laughs> I, listen, you can, I, I live at 126 Hudson Ave. You can send it right to my house. I don't even care. I'll pay the, I'll pay that fine. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. <laughs> all right, you got a you got a positive one at all? I you, do, I do. Okay. Well, no, no. Let's start with baby steps here. 
Detroit Lions fans. You didn't lose. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, go, Detroit. You went into a legit AFC contender uh, stadium and didn't lose. Like I said, this is all about baby steps. I was very happy that Detroit found a way to at least tie. This could be maybe a springboard for them to string along some wins. But apparently Goff, I think, is a little banged up now too. So who knows what goes on there. But good for them for not being 0-17, the first team to be 0-17, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So good for them. Weren't they the last team to be 0-16? Yeah. So yeah, they're not so. going to be 0-17, though. All so, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy for him, dude. I I just feel like they're doing everything right. Like it's hard not to like Dan Campbell. Um, you know, he he's just making this team gritty. Listen, they played close games, right? I mean, they literally lost the football game on the they longest field goal wins, yeah. ever kicked ever. Not just like oh, you lost on a 50 yarder with like three seconds left. Literally the longest kick ever. That was a desperation. I guarantee you, the Baltimore Ravens didn't even think they were going to make that that freaking kick, and they make it right. Um, so I'm happy for them. I would have much rather see them pull out that win. They had every opportunity to pull out that win, but like building and going. So I have a good buddy who is a from Detroit, diehard Detroit Lions fan. Poor and we bastard. talk, yeah, and we talk every week. I don't feel so bad for him because he's just a big sports guy anyway. So he's seen his Tigers win championships, right? Like in baseball, he's seen his Red Wings, and he's a hockey guy. Oh, okay. So he's seen his Red Wings win. So like he's had some glory. Um, but when it comes to football, he's a brown bag over the head kind of guy, right? Like that's all he's ever seen. He hates Matthew Stafford. He thinks that he's the like people make him out to be this greatest thing ever. And he's like, no, I saw them. And he'll make that argument. Like, don't tell me he played with bad people. He had one of the best receivers that ever walked the face of the earth. You know, he'll make those arguments where I make the counter arguments. But needless to say, like we talked about this after the game. And he's like, look, it's hard for me to be positive right now. But when all said and done, it's not a loss. And it, it could be a momentum builder. Like, you had opportunities again to win that game. To me, wins are like turnovers. They just tend to come in bunches. You know what I'm saying? Like, all you got to do is break the ice or get off the schneid, and one win's going to become three wins real quick. Like, it's just going to happen. Like, this is not – they have pieces. They're not a good football team, but they're not a god awful football team they're just putting things together and the biggest issue is i think you and i probably gave jared goff too much credit earlier in the season when we said he's a bridge quarterback because i don't even think he's that bridge right now right <laughs> like he's like he's a bridge that's under construction we didn't say we didn't say what's bridge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like he's a bridge that's about to come tumbling down and i feel bad for the guy but you know what good for him he's made hundreds of millions of dollars in the nfl already and he can walk out into the sunset with a smile on his face so I got a positive one too. If I'm the Tennessee Titans, a uh, Tennessee Titan fan, which I happen to know a, a few of those as well. Hey, the AFC now flows through Tennessee, baby. Uh, isn't this league fun, Lou? Like just things that you don't expect. Like think of what do they rattled off like six of the last seven or five of the last six or something along those lines against stiff competition. We're not you know talking what's about weird? Weston, it's like they're almost led by a top ten quarterback in the league. Remember our remember the argument we were talking. Yes, I remember. I remember. I will say this: Ryan Tannehill is not playing like a top ten quarterback in the league. He's playing like a yeah, top five, top five believe- game manager in the league. But it's a wins a wins a win, right? If, like you, it, if you're one of those people that believe that hey, quarterbacks get wins and you know they're solely responsible for wins, then uh, you're feasting on this Tannehill stuff. What to me is the most impressive with Mike Vrabel and company 
is you lost the best running back in the NFL. Your number one offensive weapon, how you win games and wear people down at the end of the game and impose your will is out for the season. And since he's been out, they've played the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. on national television. They've played a Saints team that has been defensively dominant this season and a tough out for sure. And they've won both those games without their superstar. And to me, it's AP, Dante Freeman, or Foreman. doesn't matter. Yeah, this team is still going to bang the rock and play physical Mike Vrabel football. I mean, dude, they went – their biggest acquisition this year was Julio Jones. Julio's been minor. But the prey. prey. Yeah, but Julio's been a minor impact on the offensive side of the ball. He's been out more than he's been in. Even A.J. Brown isn't having the year that he had last year. Um, And this team is still the cream of the crop in the AFC. So if I'm a Titans fan, I'm saying that – now, the NFL changes very quickly, right? So in three weeks, we could be singing a totally different tune. But right now, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And what have we always said, Lou? The NFL is the one sport where coaching matters. Yeah. You know they're what? a well-coached football team. You know what I think is the, the, the biggest change <clears throat> uh, for their success is that defense. That defense has stepped up these last – these last, you know, four or five weeks. Sure uh, last, I remember we were talking uh, during our offseason how they were one of the most blitz-heavy defenses, and they never got to the they never got to the passer. Now they're getting now they're applying pressure. They get into the passer. Jeffrey Simmons is balling out. Uh, yep. They have a, a Harold Harold Landry is balling out. Uh, they're starting to they're starting to get that Rabel type of physical defense that he's always coveted. And they're starting to ball out and uh, to help out that offense. Yeah. So great segue because I won't, I have him on my list, but I won't tout him as one of my players of Jeffrey Simmons being one of my defensive players of the week. Um, thought he had a, a great game. Stat line was telling, but for me, defense alignment is like it's disruption, right? That's like a stat that's not measured in an eyeball test. And he's, he's passing that test with flying colors. So let's get out of our overreactions here. Mm-hmm. I'm very pleased that we each had one negative and one positive. That's mm-hmm. a change of, of the, the guard for both you and I. And let's dive into our offensive and defensive performances of the week. Lou, I'll let you take the lead here. Give me your number one offensive player of the week. I'll, I'm actually going to defer to you because I, I have a feeling who's your offensive player of the week. So, Weston, I, I kick it back to you, my friend. I'm not going to start where you think I am. He's on my list. Oh, uh, but, really? But for me, it was Patty Mahomes. Uh, oh, screw you. <laughs> okay. I that's who you were going to go with? <laughs> I thought you were going to be the homer and pick uh, oh, Debo. Oh, oh, I'm going to be a homer. Don't worry, because we're going more than one here. Because uh, to me, this was the offensive players stood out a little bit more than the defensive players this week, and I'll talk about yeah, that in a second. I agree. But for me, it was Patty. Um, 35 of 50, 405, and five TDs. In the game that I predicted they would lose, I just thought the – I'm just still not a believer in this Chiefs team right now. Like we talked about with this with Jason last week about their wins are against unimpressive teams. Um, you know, an Aaron Rodgers list Packers team at home against a New York Giants team. 
Um, but things that have maybe helped them right the ship. And in a divisional game, the Raiders usually play the Chiefs really well um, and very tough and beat up on them 41-14. And Mahomes looked like the Mahomes that was a Super Bowl MVP, a league MVP. Um, and I don't know if we've seen a five-touchdown pass game performance yet this year from anybody. Maybe. Uh, top my head. I'd have to go back. Tom Brady? Whatever. I think he might have had one. I'm so over Tom Brady. TV 12. Just move on in life. Go be go be the best. Go Trump Tony Romo is the best like announcer. Like go do something else. Yeah, so um it's funny. Um I'd love to see what the narrative will be on the Chiefs this week if they when they play Dallas and they go ahead and beat them. Uh like I said, I just thought they were having I always had confidence in the Chiefs. I just felt like they were going through a rough patch. I always thought they were going to be fine. I always thought they were going to make the playoffs. And then they'll be, you know, dangerous once they're in the playoffs. But we'll see what the narrative is. Uh, if they lose to the Cowboys this week, we'll see. But, yeah, Mahomes balled out, uh, especially, which is really important because it's like a divisional game. So, good for Mahomes. Who you got? I'm not going to pick your boy. Uh I'll say, how about this? Another player that has been kind of been under the radar year this year, uh, Stefan Diggs. He had eight catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. Now, granted, I get it, guys. It's with the New York Jets, but he still showed, uh, you know, he, he was really explosive this past week and finally put up some big time stats where I feel like he's been a little silent this year. And this was a, a good way for him coming out. Lou, he's been very silent. Why do I know this? Because I you have him on your fancy dollar <laughs> for him in an auction league, and he's literally has only passed his weekly projection once, and that was this past week. He needed this week. I have him on my list as well. Um, he was not a name that I was going to call, but he's on my list. Mm. I'm going to call who you who you think and know that I'm going to call, and I'll give you one more. Um, but to me, it was you know Debo. I, I honestly felt like eight out of the 10 weeks here, I could put him on this list the way he's been playing. Like he's having a pro ball season. There's no denying that if he does not on people's pro ball, like watch list right now, you're not watching the NFL or you're not watching it properly, but he had five receptions for 97 yards and a touchdown. He had five carries for 36 yards in a touchdown. And like I said earlier, it's just the way he's doing it. It's just a physical brand of football. And as a guy who's not huge, but totally living up to his nickname is just bullying dudes out there right now. And I'm, I'm grateful that I'm a fan of this team for him alone right now, because he's just a different breed of wide receiver, right? Like he's not your toe tapper on the sideline, making a catch down the field and going down. Like this dude looks for contact looks for it. Now that makes me very nervous. Him like George Kittle, right? They're one, I'm going to run you over, play away from being sidelined for the rest of the year. Uh, knock on wood, wherever there's wood around me, that that doesn't happen. But I, I, I think it's hard to argue if you watch that game on, on Monday night to not say that this guy's not in your top 10 of offensive players this week. Yeah, I mean, top, I mean, top 10 should be top three. Uh, I, don't have another, I don't have another offensive player. Those are all three. I'm stingy with my uh, accolades. Uh, I don't just give this away. I'm not a floozy here, Weston. So those are only my three. Can I? Well, then I'm going to throw a secondary in for you, um, since I, I stole one of the ones. Yeah, you're, okay, you're very loose. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm super <laughs> loose. Right now. I'm super easy. Um, Christian McCaffrey. 
And the reason why I bring him up is because a he slaughtered me in three leagues this week. But it was just it's just nice to see him back because this is the brand of Christian McCaffrey football. Like he didn't find the end zone, but he had 13 carries for 95 yards and 10 catches for 66 yards. Right, so that's 161 yards of total offense on 23 touches. Uh, that's a lot of offense. That's a lot of yards uh, per touch. And this is the NFL is better when Christian McCaffrey is playing and he's healthy. the The unfortunate perspective or the un- unfortunate side of things is he's just not always healthy. While I I was not excited to see that performance take place this week because it personally affected me, like I said, in three fantasy leagues. Happy for the guy that he's back on the field and doing what he does as a, a dual threat running back in, in this league. And he almost found the end zone twice yeah. plays that were literally like overturned at like the one yard line or two yard line. And then Cam Newton runs it in or boots it out and whatever it might be. Typical quarterback shit that always gets the glory where all the other guys do all the grunt work. But mm-hmm. all right, since you don't have another name, I'm going to give you the honors to lead in with your defensive player of the week. Once again, I'll be a gentleman and I'll save your homer pick. Uh, but how about Eric Kendricks? Now, we've talked about uh, Demario yeah. Davis, uh, linebacker for the New Orleans Saints, uh, in past shows, saying how underrated Demario Davis is. He's fantastic, he's all over the field. Eric Kendricks also fits that mold that he's ridiculously underrated. There's nothing he really can't do. He had a great game, he had eight tackles, one sack, one tackle for a loss, an interception. And his interception is when he was covering Keenan Allen in the slot. So that just shows you how his athletic ability, him be able to go east and west, uh, covering a shifty receiver as Keenan Allen. Uh, he's explosive. You saw it on that delayed blitz, uh, you know, to sack Herbert. And he when he when he meets a ball carry, he comes with bad intentions. And he's just a fantastic player, highly underrated, uh, is one of the perhaps mainstays in that Vikings defense. And it doesn't get much better than him when it comes to man in the middle of that of a defense. So he's Eric Kendricks, yeah, he balled out, man. Yeah, he's such a tremendous football player. And if you're not a fan of the Vikings, like or or following the NFC North, you're not. Unfortunately, unless he plays your team, you're not seeing much of him. But he is such a good football player. He so reminds Luke, me of like Palomalu esque the way he is his movements. Yes, they're, they're yes. so instinctual. That's a great comparison. Yes. They're so instinctual. They're, it's just. He's very smart and cerebral, and like I said, uh, he's a very underrated player. Yep. So, to me, Lou, this week was more about team defensive play. Like, you had the Cowboys only give up three points. You had the Green Bay Packers shut out um, the Seattle Seahawks. Mr. Unlimited. You had Mr. Unlimited. You had the 49ers smack the Rams in the mouth. But for me, the most glaring team performance and my defensive First defensive game ball goes to an entire defense. It's going to the Miami Dolphins defense. And it's going to them for shutting down this very potent, high-powered Baltimore offense on Thursday night football. Um, This is my first ever team game ball that I've given out on our show, so I'm excited to do it. Collectively, they had four sacks, five tackles for a loss, seven passes defense, seven QB hits, a pick, a forced fumble, and one defensive TD. To me, Brian Flores just had this team ready to go, had this defense fired up, and they were flying around the football field. And 
John Harbaugh in the Baltimore Ravens, Ravens offense. So, or I'll say Greg Roman in the Baltimore Ravens offense had no answer. Lamar literally looked like a deer in headlights all night on a Thursday night game where I think we'd all agree. I felt pretty confident that the Baltimore Ravens were going to go in and steamroll the Miami Dolphins and the exact opposite happened. So, Shout out to the Miami Dolphins defense. Yeah, for holding a, a possible MVP candidate to one of his worst performances of the year. Yep. All right. You got anybody else you just want to, like, throw a name out? I can say quick. Cameron Hayward. He had two sacks. He had a really yep. good game, too. Devin but, White had a great game. 18 yeah. tackles, two sacks. Uh, Jimmy Ward had a great game. But I was, I was very excited to talk about yeah. the Miami Dolphins defense. All right. All right. So – Another big week in the NFL. Week 11 is, what, 48 hours from being upon us, probably less at this point. Um, what are you watching? I'm watching um, two games. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll defer one for you. Uh, Cowboys-Chiefs. Uh, this is a huge game. I think it's a fantastic litmus test for both Dallas and Kansas City. For Dallas, this is a great test for their defense. Is their defense legit? They started off hot, kind of cooled off. Uh, recently, I had to then go against Atlanta, show that you know, uh, that Dan Quinn revenge game was able to put them back on the map. But can they slow down this type of offense, uh, right now? And as for Kansas City, they finally silenced the doubters, the doubters by defeating a top team in the AFC, the Las, uh, the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. Let's build some momentum, show so they can beat another strong contender, uh, in the Dallas Cowboys. So I think this is a you know, this is the big game of the week for me. Yeah, I, this was number one on my list too. Um, the only thing I'll add to that is this, right on paper, everything says this is going to be a shootout. So naturally that just means it's it's be a third, yeah, 13-10 game when all said yeah. and done. 100%. Um, but this is that was game number one since I can't choose game number one for me. And you know I'm a sucker for divisional games. I'm looking at this Packers-Vikings game. I think you just okay. I think you just got to witness firsthand how – the Vikings are a lot better football team than their record would show and what they might seem on paper. And I've been pounding the table for them week after week saying the same thing. This is not a bad team. This is a good team. You just talked about Eric Kendricks, right? Like their defense, they were without Harrison Smith when playing with you. They were without the Neil Hunter. Like they were without prominent individuals in that game. Um, and I want to see, like, I always want to see, like, is Green Bay for real? Like, don't let this 17 nothing game fool you over Russell Wilson and the Seahawks because Seahawks just look lost and out of sync. And it just, like, felt really, really funny, even though that they had everybody there. But this game is in Minnesota. It's a divisional game. Those always make for entertaining television. Hey, one other game I'm shocked you didn't mention. The Bengals at Raiders. Both of these teams started off hot. And now they seem to cool off. This is a huge game for both of them for so many reasons. They're both five and four. Uh, they're both a game back from the division lead, uh, from their own division lead. And both teams are right in the thick of it in the playoffs. So a win here by either team is going to be a huge, uh, a huge step for them. Yeah. Um, not on my list, but I was, you know, I'm not as easy when it comes to where I'm devoting my time <laughs> to. Lou. The, the other one that was on my list was Indy Buffalo. Me, this to me, and you, you've talked about this a lot of times. Like, is this Buffalo defense built to stop the run? And the what is Indianapolis like? Jonathan Taylor is running all over people right now. It was like the last seven games, he's averaged over oh, 100 bro. yards, bro. It's it's been Easily. it's 
it's out of control to watch, right? And I feel like he's doing it with ease. So I want to see that because this could be a changing of the guard as well in the sense of like, what happens if Buffalo gets another loss? Like they're going to win their division. They're going to wrap that up, right? So they got a home yeah, playoff you got, game. Yeah, New England. <laughs> I mean, New England's playing good football right now, but I do think like that will level out. Um, it's been competition based, in my opinion. So, all right. Speaking of competition based, let's get in. Let's get in quick. We've been running long here. Let me go ahead and pick get. Em. This is my. This is my favorite. This is where I think this week I'm going to bury you, Weston. <laughs> uh you've you've you are pulling away from me i'll be the first to admit it so just to give the listeners an update hey hey weston did you ever think a a, a close to 300 pound man would be able to pull away from you <laughs> no no i thought i'd be able to backpedal beyond that um but here we are nonetheless just to recap last week lou nine four and one um I don't know if Jason will listen this far into our podcast, but I will let him know and reach out that he was seven, six and one. And I was five, eight and one. So for the season totals, Lou, that puts you at 43, 26 and one. I'm 37, 32 and one. I might do some drastic things this week to try to make up some ground <laughs> and hope the, uh, the NFL continues to be, uh, just prove me right that we know nothing about the NFL. Nobody knows anything oh, yeah. about the NFL. This is why they play the games on Sunday because paper matchups and Madden simulations don't matter at all. So let's start it off. Watson, There's that's, a, real quick, that's how I've been doing so good lately. I just uh, I throw out complete logic. Yeah. All right. And, You're right. Uh, <laughs> You're so. right. Uh, we talked about it when Jason was kind enough to invite us on our fantasy. You're like, listen, everything you just said makes sense. So, therefore, it's wrong. <laughs> All right. Thursday night, you got the Pats at the Falcons. It has to be the, the Patriots. Uh, uh, for the mere fact that I think Patterson is going to be a game-time decision, I don't really see too much on that offense. Uh, I'm just telling you, I, I think it's the Patriots. Yeah, I don't think Patterson plays. I think the Falcons are reeling, and I was one that was saying that they're they are also a better football team than their record might suggest. I wasn't uh, but, one of those. Believers no, but they've been proving me wrong. Uh, I'm going Patriots here as well. So let's get into the Sunday matchups: Colts at Bills. Damn, I'm gonna start off with that. Uh, that's a hard one. Colts at Bills. Give me the Bills. Uh, reluctantly, I know I this is against all my thought process, but because uh, I know I, I picked uh, Tennessee against them because they're more physical, but I just feel like they don't. Uh, the Colts don't have the defense to, to shut down the the Bills. Yeah, I, I'm Buffalo here too. I am so it's tempted. Close. To pick the Colts. So pick the Colts. I am so tempted. It's their defense that kind of makes it, me feel. I just feel like. Indy's going to be able to run the football, but I don't think they can stop the passing attack of the Buffalo Bills. And exactly. I think it's going to be a really close football game, uh, but I got Buffalo Bills here. Baltimore Ravens at the Chicago Bears. I'll go Ravens. I'm going Ravens. Detroit Lions at the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to say give me Cleveland. That one's close because I feel like if Goff – plays i will if i had certainty that he's playing i might be tempted to go to the lions but uh i mean 
Cleveland's so banged up on that offense, offensive side. Baker's barely getting out of games nowadays. Yep. First it's his shoulder, and then it's his leg or what have you. Uh, their running backs are dropping dead. I mean, yeah. so uh, Cleveland's gonna win this. Cleveland's gonna win this football game, but I am picking the Detroit Lions. Like I'm coming out and saying that, and I'm picking the Detroit uh, Lions. You're picking lot the Lions. You're saying I'm picking the Lions. Pick. Okay, but I'm almost. 100% confident that this pick is wrong, but I am picking it hoping that Jared Goff doesn't play because if Blau comes in and play, what have I told you about backup quarterbacks all year long, dude? Nothing to lose. This That literally might just be what the doctor ordered for this team and what they need uh, to get off the schneid. They got mm-hmm. really close last week. They've had a couple close calls. I agree with you. I think this Cleveland team is just reeling. Um, they're just banged up in so many different areas. So I, the Cleveland Browns will win this football game, but I'm going on record that I am picking the Detroit Lions in this football game. All right. Texans at the Titans. It's the Titans. Yeah, this Titans. This is an easy one for me. Uh, Packers at Vikings. Packers at Vikings. Give me the Packers, and only for the reason being is that that defense on 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 uh, Minnesota is still really beat up. Yeah, they don't have Michael Pierce, they don't have Patrick Peterson, uh, they don't have Daniil Hunter. Uh, there's a lot of holes still missing on that defense. I find it hard pressing that they're going to be able to pull the same game plan uh, that they did with the Chargers back to back weeks. Yeah, I got packed too. Um, although I think this is going to be still be a competitive game because it's a division oh, yeah. game, but I'm um, I'm I'm taking number I'm I'm taking Aaron Rodgers in this no. game. Uh, Dolphins at Jets. Dolphins. Dolphins here. Saints at Philly. I'll go Saints. I'm taking the Eagles. Um, home game that gives me the the edge. Um, I think they're they're playing with some confidence, and I think reality is setting in and is going to set in quickly for the Saints that um, there will be struggles with Trevor uh, Simeon. Yeah, but the reason why I'm going Saints is because that defense uh, defense is playing well, man. I mean, they gave the Titans no, no, all the that Saints, they could. The Saints defense is playing well, but yeah, the Eagles I'm defense I'm not a believer in. Where the Eagles' strength is, their front four. What's the Saints' strength is? Is, their, is Kamara their, playing? I don't, I don't know. I think it's too early to tell. I don't think anything came out right now with injury reports. But the Saints, their their offensive line is phenomenal, so they can help neutralize that front four of the Eagles. So now you're really talking about the secondary of the Eagles, which I'm not a believer in whatsoever. So that's why I think the Saints can, uh, you know, he got to win here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still on the Eagles. Uh, Washington football team, Carolina versus Carolina Panthers in Carolina. Give me Washington, Ron Rivera, homecoming game. Yeah, I'm with that too. Though I do think this game will be a little bit different if Cam play is Cam is the starting quarterback. I think that changes the dynamics. But for me, this is all about Ron Rivera, homecoming game, um, et cetera. Niners at Jags. By the way, I already hit that pick. I wish I could take that pick back. But go you ahead. Want, uh, you want to take the Panthers? Yeah, I kind of do. Can I? Can I, is that possible? Is that allowed? Yes, that's allowed. We're we're going on here right now. All right, I'll take the Panthers. We didn't get to the next. The next play didn't happen, so you okay. can challenge the play. Okay. The red flag's been thrown. Okay. 
So you're taking the Panthers. Taking um, the Panthers. I'm going to stick with Washington because um, I need to make up ground on you desperately at this point. Um, but I do think this will be, that'll be a very competitive football game. 49ers at Jaguars. 49ers. They ride yeah, the I wave. Got, I got I to ride the wave to the 49ers. Bengals at Raiders. I'm say the Bengals uh, coming off coming off a bye, bye, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm saying uh, Cincinnati too coming off the bye. Cowboys at Chiefs. This is a good one. This is a tough one. Um, if the Cowboys beat the Chiefs, this show this it would show to me that they are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Like meaning, like they can beat like a team of this magnitude. It'd be a huge win. They have the team to do it too. I'll go Cowboys. Wow, it's tough. Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I'm I'm going Cowboys too here. Um, I think they have what it takes to go into Kansas City. They can they they, they can play two different types of games. Uh, yeah, they can run the football all over. They can run the football. Yep. Or they can get in a, sh- a shootout with, especially with Michael Gallup back too. They can get yep. a shootout with with the. Uh, with the Chiefs, where I don't think the Chiefs have any ability to stop the Cowboys' offense whatsoever. Me neither. Um, I think the Cowboys' defense could slow down. I say that in loose terms, slow down Kansas City's offense every now and then. I think the Cowboys can win this game if they could (laughs) steal a possession or two, right? Like, it really is going to come down to, like, one or two stops in in opportune times. All right. So, I'm Cowboys, you're Cowboys. Yeah. Cardinals at Seahawks. Who the hell's – this is such a – I mean, it's so early in the week. We don't know who's playing. Yep. Uh, this is tough when we do it on Tuesday night, man, because know, we, don't, we don't know enough, but this is the world we live in. We want our content out before Thursday. <laughs> Give me the Seahawks. It's a home game. Um, yeah. Who knows what's going on with Hopkins and uh, Kyler Murray. So I, I, I would say – I find it hard that, like, what's his name? Uh, Russell Wilson loses two games in a row, especially yeah. when at home. So I'm going to say Russell, yeah, Russell Wilson and the, the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm, I'm torn here because these are both divisional opponents, right? Yeah. Like, I'd love the Cardinals to to lose, uh, bring them back to reality. But Seattle's right beneath us. I don't necessarily want them to win. I never really root for Seattle to win. They go but for I, a tie. <laughs> yeah. But I agree with you, right? Like Russell Wilson doesn't often lose back-to-back games, and yeah, that, yeah. that Green Bay game was the first time ever that he's been shut out in the yeah. NFL. Um, and I just don't think that sits well with them. And Russell, Russell's a winner; he's that kind of guy. Like I expect to bounce back from them, so I'm going Seahawks as well. Steelers at your Chargers on Sunday Night Football. I'm excited Ooh. for this game. I don't think Ben. I don't. I, I don't think Ben's playing. I don't see. This is all right. I'll tell you right now. If Ben doesn't play, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, uh, Chargers, but I do think he is playing. I mean, it's, it. I, I think he's. Well, I'm not a doctor or anything, but not to get too much into weeds. I think he was vaccinated, and right. And then like he I got. Co- I don't know. Is he immunized? I don't. I don't know <laughs> what anybody means anymore. Um, all in all, because uh, Bosa is on the COVID list now too. Uh, Jerry Tillery is on the COVID list too. Uh, Bosa is not vaccinated, so that probably means he's going to miss this game. That defense can it go against a lot? Can they even stop that physical Steelers offense? I don't know. Um, I'm just thinking out time, thinking out loud here, trying to buy some time. 
I'll go Steelers. I hate to say it. I was going to go Steelers too, um, only because I think Bosa and Tillery both being out and on the COVID list is like a big deal. On Not Tillery, he sucks. <laughs> no, it's still a big deal, dude. It's still a body. Um, and I think Pittsburgh to win football games just continues needs to continue to feed Najee Harris the rock and having someone like if an offensive line doesn't have to focus on Joey Bosa anymore, that changes the game plan drastically. Um, Do I change your mind by saying TJ Watt probably won't play? Mika Fitzpatrick won't play. Joe Hayden's very questionable, and two of their offensive linemen. Are no, I just I just think it's going to be. T- at that point, I it's it's a matter of like what game plans do I believe in, and I believe exactly. in establishing yeah, the, the run coach. versus yeah. I'm going with the coach. I'm going with Mike Tomlin at this yeah. point, just proven. Um, so I too am taking the Steelers. Um, all right, Monday night, G men at Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, I think Tampa's dipping right. Like, yeah, but so, they did this last year too, man, and then everyone started questioning. Like, I know. I know. They did the same thing last year. They'll I'm, find their way. I'm going to say this out loud, and then it's just going to propel them to the Super Bowl again. But Tom Brady is actually starting to look like 43-year-old Tom Brady. Like, I'm not going to say a 43-year-old quarterback because a 43-year-old quarterback's not even in the league. It's just, it's just certain things like a very lackluster performance last week against a Washington football team coming okay, off so, a bye, coming off right, a so, bye. Okay, so I, I want to – so when I was looking at uh, play discrepancies on where the Chargers stood against the Vikings, I think they were second or third, the number one play discrepancy was the Washington football team versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, they ran so many more plays. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Something like 89 to like 61 or something. So they did exactly – with the Vikings to the Chargers, but on steroids. And when you don't have the ball in your hand and you're on the sideline constantly, it's a rhythm thing, I, th- I think, personally. Also, they're, they're missing Gronk. They're missing Antonio Brown. I think this is an all aberration. Uh, I think, uh, you know, as, a, as the season goes on later on, uh, they'll be fine once they get those players back. Just to clarify, it was 71 plays to 47 plays. Dude, that right? Game. That's a lot of that, – that is yeah. huge. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, a big difference. That's a big difference. So I think it's more of a it was a game flow type of thing and just yep. uh, uh, out of flow. Yep. This is why I love doing this because I can just pull up my computer and validate what we're talking about here. Yeah. All right. So there they are. Week 11 picks in the books. We'll come back and listen. Here we go. Let's wrap it up, Lou. Let's bring us home. It's the, our favorite time of the week. Let's talk fantasy football players uh, for week 11. Uh, you know the rules. This is not starting uh, a superstar. Uh, give me somebody who you're monitoring their situation and tempted to plug and play this week. Dan Arnold. I know he's going against your uh, your uh, you know your San Francisco defense is hot off a you know a win against the Rams. But if you look over the last three weeks, he's had um, 24 targets and he's been performing pretty well. Uh, I think last week he had seven catches, 60 yards. He's obviously Trevor Lawrence's first go-to and first read. So if you're looking for a tight end, look at Dan Arnold on, on Jacksonville because I think he can provide some some quick dump-offs and what have you, especially yeah. in the PPR. Yeah, in a PPR, I just think he gets targets right now, right? I do think what I what might be going against him is, you know, you got all-pro Fred, um, who is very good at covering 
uh, tight ends and people out of the backfield, but I just think it's a volume of targets thing. It's a target share. Uh, there's no wide receiver that's standing out there right now, unless it's Jamal Agnew, which I still, for the life of me, can't figure out why I can't play him as a running back or a wide receiver because he does everything. Exactly. But you got to play him as a wide receiver. Um, so I do agree Dan Arnold's a, a good name. One for me, and this is a situation you got to monitor, monitor. Monitor. I don't know if Aaron Jones is playing this week. Yeah, that's my other one. <laughs> yeah, and if Aaron Jones is not playing this week, A.J. Dillon is a must-start in this football game. He had a very impressive week last week. I've actually said this now for two consecutive weeks that he was somebody that you might want to consider because he was starting to take some shares away from Jones. Um, he's proven that he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a bruiser when it comes between, you know, in between the tackles and in a tough divisional game. Um, I expect him to get a lion's share of touches. I would even go as far to say as if Aaron Jones plays and you're hurting in a in, in a flex or for a running back, you could still you could still play Dylan. He'll get that many touches in this game because they're going to want to impose their will. I agree. AJ Dillon was my was my other uh, choice as well. Uh, I keep on harping on the fact that this Vikings team Vikings defense is beleaguered and injured, injury riddled. Uh, he he will be putting on a, a showcase this week, in my opinion. Regardless if it's PPR or not, I still would start 100 percent because his opportunity to get into the end zone is so high. Especially, I don't think Aaron Jones is playing at all. Uh, I think he's going to miss uh, two or three weeks. Uh, from what I things I was listening to and read, so uh, definitely AJ Dillon is someone, yeah. I, 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 again, I've been pounding the table for this is two consecutive weeks, right? And I think this is the week that I'd be most confident about that play. But Enjoy we'll see, guy. we'll talk with Jason on Sunday morning as yeah. we go live, and we'll talk about other players. My other guy is I have two other guys, um, but I'll stick with one is Dante Foreman. Um, I was actually shocked. Right. Like I, I talked about how AP like Foreman for me kind of came out of nowhere. Like he hasn't seen NFL action in a little while. Neither right. had AP, neither at AP, but AP was at least a recognizable name. Um, but Foreman had the line share last week, looked pretty good while doing it, you know, within that game flow. Um, this is tricky, though. It, it's like he's a play if you need a running back, whether it's a bye week, an injury, a COVID yeah. list, whatever it is. Start him over, it all depends. But the one thing I will say, this is a revenge game because they got the Texans this week. And if I memory serves me correctly, Dante Foreman spent a few years and was drafted by the Houston Texans. So if he's up for any game and he's getting a bulk of carries, uh, I think he was rocking like number seven in this game, which was pretty yeah. sick to see out of the backfield. Um, Dante Foreman would be my other guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. The other one that I'll throw out there, cause I stole your secondary guy, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. So he's been on the fence a few weeks. Right. And I just think now I say this with a caveat. He had the week that you were hoping you'd have last week. So then the obvious thing to do is if he's on your roster is to play him this week on Thursday night. But then please remind yourself that this is a Bill Belichick led football team. 
one of the consistencies of the NFL is that you can't start New England running backs because for all we know, based off of that performance, he might get three touches on Thursday night. It's just the I'm way actually, it goes. No, 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 no. I'm actually going to double down on here. I know Damien Harris, I think, played today, uh, uh, pr- uh, practice today, limited, albeit. Uh, think about game flow here. Yeah. Playing Atlanta. They're going to want to run it down Atlanta's throat because Atlanta cannot stop the run. I definitely think he gets at least 10 to 12 touches. What he does with those touches is up to, you know, uh, we'll see. But if he, if he averages four or five yards, that's, you know, six, five, six points. Gets in the end zone, it's 11, a couple catches. Because he shows he's adequate when it comes to catching balls out of the backfield. So I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Steven, yes, uh, Stevenson, I'm I'm on that, tra- that bandwagon. All right, let's go. So that wraps us up here for our Week 10 recap at the We're Talking Football podcast. Lou, always an absolute pleasure. As I always do, I will rely on you to tell the listeners uh, where they can follow us across social media, etc. You can follow us on Instagram, perhaps the best Instagram page of all time ever. Uh, maybe right below Kim Kardashian at WTF Pod NFL. That's also the Twitter handle, too. So make sure you guys hit that uh, like button and that follow button. And as always, you can find us on YouTube. We're talking, uh, we're talking football, uh, posting these videos, putting out content, a lot of, you know, good things to come. We'll have some short abbreviated clips. Lou, always a pleasure. we got a few more weeks here left in the season. Really looking forward to them. Um, anybody who is listening, keep an eye out. We'll be live with Jason Aponte at noon Eastern Standard Time this Sunday, I believe. I'm doing some some fantasy football stardom, sit-ums, taking your questions. So if you got a few moments, if you're in a bind, join, throw them in the chat. Jason will serve them up, and hopefully we'll knock them down. Uh, but for everybody, have a wonderful evening.